And we are live here on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. What's up, guys? Nick Scrip here on the P2W Fantasy Podcast. Still in January. We are almost through our first month of 2022. Still talking some football here. Still have some football going on. So very excited about this show today. I have two very good guests on. Uh, We're going to be talking about the NFL playoffs, some dynasty, and maybe we'll get off topic a little bit. But uh, before we kick things off, I do want to make sure I introduce both of these guys and let them talk about themselves because they're both very active in this uh, fantasy community and produce their own work. So we'll start things off with Alex on the the bottom of the screen here. Alex contributes to Triple Play Fantasy, which is uh, I'm a big fan of them, really uh, close with those guys there. Uh, You co-hosted the Tripwire podcast uh, for waivers. I was on that show. It's a really fun show, recapping waivers throughout the season. Uh, And you dropped some big news today that you are going Mm. writing for Dynasty Nerds, which is badass right there. So, Alex, thanks for coming on the show. Can you let everybody know where to find you on social media for one? And then uh, talk about what you got going on, man. Yeah, Nick, appreciate you having me on, man. Pretty much capped up on the two big ones. Doing media content with uh, Triple Play Fantasy in season. It was the Tripwire Waiver Wire podcast show. And in the offseason, I'm doing a dynasty. It's called the Dynasty Pit Stops. Just little like quick hitter, 15, 20 minute videos with my host, uh, Christian Crespo, just doing like debates, going through the rankings, general dynasty theory. But yeah, you alluded to the big news today. Going to be writing for uh, for Dynasty Nerds. So my written content will be there, the media on Triple Play, and finally catching it, catching my own groove. Things are finally moving in the right direction for me. I'm loving it. That is awesome. Congratulations again on that. that that's, uh, that's big news. Uh, you keep uh, rolling on through uh, the off season here. I've, I've seen plenty of people uh, kind of get some new opportunities and, and linking up with you before. It was nice to see you uh, get another upgrade. So that's awesome, man. And uh, also on the show, we got Corey. Corey, you write for DLF. Uh, you have your shows coming off the edge. Uh, also load the wagon. I think that's the one with the, uh, the Madden building. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, we share the, uh, the Illinois um, roots. That's and, right. And, uh, also, the the gumball head uh, beers that we uh, we we send some pictures to each other every now and then. But I know you're super active, both writing and uh, on some video stuff too, man. So can you let everybody know where to find you, and then uh, talk about what you what you got going on? Of course. Uh, thank you for the introduction. Thank you for having me on the show as well, Alex. Congratulations on thank the you. Dynasty Nerds gig again. Nick hopped on the opponent about how everyone is getting these new gigs. It's super cool to see within the community. So congratulations to everyone as well. As far as for me, Corey Spaler right there. That's the at as well as the name. DLF, we're writing. I'm doing some projects right now on receivers, running backs, a bunch of the nerd data stuff to help you kind of out in that stuff. He mentioned the shows, Load the Wagon. It's my Madden show. Guests come on. They draft a Madden team, get to know them a little more, simulate the year, see how they have done. I believe the last Super Bowl winner was... um, Amr Gaber, who also has the Illinois roots over yep. there. Shout out to Amr. Um, and then coming off the edge, it's with a bunch of friends. Shout out to Jeff Bell, Nate Povold, James Kreese, a.k.a. Chef. And we also have a couple other people coming on that came about from our league. Coming back Tuesdays, actually tomorrow, 7 p.m. So catch us out there, Eastern. And what you also do, I, I catch all, all the time, is uh, you, you throw out some of your data sets and you have some different uh, graphs and things like that. Is that uh, yeah. something you try to do on a weekly basis, just kind of randomly? Or is it, you know, you piecing together some work and just sharing parts of it? Or how, how does that work? Because I, I really like that because I try to Thank also you. do some random like graphs and, you know, data plots and things like that. Thank you. Yeah, that's very nice that you noticed that. Um it's just whenever it happens. I mean, I appreciate those words. It's cool to hear that some people do like them. Yeah, uh, it's the, yeah. Long story short, I just make some graphs, charts. They're very easily digestible, and I do that often just because it helps my writing. The uh, readers get to kind of pair with the uh, scheme that I'm doing within the charts or the graph, and then it kind of rounds about the writing. Um, usually I just do a graph dump graph chart from whatever I've been working on. So I know a lot of people are visual learners, so I, I, I know more than myself appreciate that. So that, that is awesome. But, uh, if you are tuning in, as always, this po- podcast is partnered up with the fantasy points media group, fantasypoints.com. It's my personal one-stop shop for everything mm-hmm. fantasy related. Uh, they still have a ton of articles and sets of rankings and projections still going on. Uh, every single day. So go check out fantasypoints.com and shout out the Fantasy Points Media Group. 
with the cool new graphic Ooh. and the new logo. There Look at this go. layout too. I dude. know, man. Just, mm. just, just up and coming. Shout out to Maddie Big Chest for the new Shout template out. as well. But uh, if you are tuning in, we're talking the NFL Conference Championship. We're going to recap that. We'll talk about some dynasty stuff. It'll be a good show. So stay with us. all right so if you're watching the show you want to comment you got to go to youtube because on twitter still can't see it but always appreciate some some comments from uh, some of the viewers but Recapping the NFL Conference Championships, really fun games, uh, starting off with the Bengals and Chiefs. The Bengals won in overtime, 27-24. to 24. Their last playoff appearance was in 2015. I don't think this team was expected to be where they are, which is going to be in the Super Bowl. So uh, just being super uh, generic here with, uh, with the question, but I think it'll be interesting to dive into these teams. What, what stood out from this game, from the Bengals versus the Chiefs? It can be something that you saw uh, that, you know, makes you think forward in fantasy, something just in general for football. It could be something from both teams, whatever you want to talk about from this specific game. Alex, we'll start off with you. What, what stands out from this game? So for me, the big, big takeaway. After Mahomes' MVP year, there was this perceived gap that it was Mahomes and then everyone else. There's not really that gap anymore. Burrow played with him this game, even going back to Buffalo. Josh Allen, you can argue, outplayed him. So there's really a large tier of elite NFL quarterbacks. It's not Mahomes stand above, which is going to make some great football for the next eight to ten years. All these guys are in their early 20s. Mahomes is probably the oldest at 26 out of like the group of upcoming young guys. So it's going to be fun for many, many years to come. I agree with that. I mean, uh, I think when he won that first Super Bowl, he had the MVP season at a you know a, a younger age. Uh, it was perceived like this is the new dynasty, right? The new like Patriots potentially. And now we see the likes of obviously Josh Allen lost to him in the Bills. Looked really good this year, but didn't you know get the job done. And now we got Burrow with uh, two two very young wide receivers uh, right in the mix now too. So it it it, it reminds me a little bit of like the NBA where like the, it, it was once like two, three teams, and, and now it's kind of more wide open, you know, in terms of who can actually compete in this league. But, uh, Corey, any any thoughts on what Alex said? And then uh, then, then you can just hop into what you found uh, interesting from this game. Yeah, right on. So I guess the main point, what Alex was saying, is how everybody had Mahomes above it all. And now we got Allen, Burrow, Jackson, Murray, all these other people. So kind of to bring in a point that I wanted to make was like, you know, how important it is to have to have an elite quarterback. But not only that, like coaching matters and Zach Taylor, he's kind of awesome. He made great halftime adjustments after being down 21-10. You know, having that elite quarterback is cool. You know, we saw what changed over three seasons. He got hired. Taylor got hired in 2019. They went 2-14. and 14. Fast forward 2021, 10-7, first in the AFC North, and they're going to the Super Bowl. But not only that, it's having the coaching staff surrounding them, whether that's the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, the scouting directors, and every coaching personnel. And that's stayed the same since 2019. So for the last three seasons, they've made free agency picks and the NFL draft picks that have hit Jamar Chase, Logan Wilson, T. Higgins, Akeem Davis-Gaither. But they also had role players like Drew Sample, a little more blocking tight end, or someone like Hakeem Adenije, who is a tackle who's had kind of rotational pieces as the starter. So from top to bottom, whether it's roster, coaching executives, or uh, assistant coaches, trainers, whatever it is, the Bengals have just hit home, and we see what can happen over three years. Which I, I think is very important to to uh, to talk about, just because right now we're seeing all of the different moving pieces around the league in, in terms of how teams are are building their front offices and, and all the uh, the coaching carousel news that we keep uh, hearing about. I know in Chicago we have a new hey. GM and a new head coach. And, you know, we're going to have new coordinators and we see how important it is to, to build a, a staff that is going to bring in the right people and make the right draft moves and piece together a team. And I think the Bengals, you know, seeing where they were two years ago compared to now is, is, is night and day. So I like that a lot because I feel like that gets taken for granted sometimes 
um, you know, the, the aspects of everything outside of the players that are on the field sometimes, you know, how everything gets shaped. So great, great point in itself there. Um, I, I, something that stood out to me and I'm curious to hear your guys opinion, you know, on this. And I tweeted out something and the perfect time to tweet out anything is during a game because everybody's watching the same game and, you know, everybody overreacts to everything. But I, I said something along the lines of uh, CEH stockholders are probably shaking right now. And and I think that was because if we look at the box score, right, uh, CEH had six carries for 36 yards. He had a catch for four. Jarek McKinnon has been their guy in the playoffs. And do I think he's their guy for the next five years? Probably not. But 12 carries for 65 and three catches for 30. So, my math says it right. That's 15 touches in comparison to CEH's seven. And, and I'm wondering to you guys, is that something you guys feel is concerning? Maybe if you are a dynasty manager of CEH and you guys can just hop in however you want. But any, any thoughts there? Yeah, I think it's more his, not even just this like echo chamber of a game. Even after he came back from his injury, Williams was still seeing a significant amount of opportunity. And it's one of those, it doesn't seem like it's an isolated incident at this point. Hmm. Seems like Andy Reid, Brett Veach, the front office is like, crap, we may have absolutely botched this pick. How are we going to salvage the running back position at this point? So if I have CEH, I'm selling for anything I can get. If I can somehow swing a first, no matter the year, I'm taking it. If I can get multiple seconds, I'm taking it. He's one I would rather be wrong about with him not on my roster than write about him and have him on my roster. Corey, any any CEH thoughts maybe based <laughs> off of this game or just in general? Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like uh, <laughs> Dating back to the 2020 draft class, he never was top for me pre- or post-draft. I never bought in. If you're buying into a hype about a player simply because of the landing spot, that, near, that doesn't really shake much for me. I know he's a first-round draft capital. That matters a lot. But, you know, Patrick Mahomes handpicked him, right? Didn't they make, like, that phone call and Andy Reid was out there? Yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't know. Just imagine looking at the LSU offense, and then the only piece you wanted was Clyde Edwards-Alaire when you could have got T. Higgins. I digress. Regardless, CH has never been that dude, like, at all. Like, and it's obvious – they did make a mistake. That's cool. They're moving on. That's fine. Like Alex said, if you could get a first round pick, go get it. Doesn't matter the year, like he's saying. But I've uh, never been on the CH hype train. Sure, value matters. Like if he's drafting them first round, second, third, like I'm not cool with that. But if he's there and I don't know, sixth, seventh, like he still gets some touches. That's cool. But like when the game matters, maybe he's not getting those touches. And that's what matters. That does matter a lot. And, and, and I, I think, you know, from a dynasty perspective, I, I saw some people, I think, commented on that tweet, and they're like, well, now's the time to buy him. And, and, and some people said, now's the time to to sell him for, like Alex said, for anything. And it's it's almost like if you made that investment, you might as well probably stash him right now because nobody's going to give you anything worthwhile, in my opinion, after mm. this performance, right? I, I think we always – I think too often we in dynasty, you know, we do a lot of reactionary moves. And after this game, I think it's, if, if you got them, you just got to stick them in your back pocket for now, because there's a chance he could still be the starter right next season, or he will be the starter next season. Uh, but in, in terms of you putting him on the block, like what do you expect to get? You know? Um, Yo, and, hold on. so before we move on from this, go ahead, yeah, go ahead. What are like, you know, let's think about the New Orleans saints, you know, they're kind of Peyton's gone. Your Drew, Drew, Drew Brees obviously has been gone this year. What if Kamara becomes available and the Chiefs go out and get him? I also think the Bills might, but like, what if the Chiefs do? And then you're stuck with CEH for nothing. So if Alex is saying, if you could get something, get that something while it lasts. And and I, I'd, I'd be surprised, uh, just looking at that, I'd be surprised if the Chiefs don't do some sort of ballsy move because they, they two years in a row now have been like, Pretty close to, to, to getting, you know, another championship, but like not. So I, I think that it might kind of hit them that they have a lot of good pieces, but they might just need to get that, that final like weapon, I guess, or something, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to add to that offense. Um, they need defense before though. So yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, with, with the Bengals, with the Bengals, mm -hmm. uh, Higgins six for 103 chase six for 54 mm -hmm. and a touchdown. Obviously this duo looked really good in this game. A, a key factor, um, I thought was important was uh, on the defensive side. I don't do a lot of defensive digging all the time, but 
Sam Hubbard on the uh, the D line, four tackles, four assisted tackles, two sacks. I think going into the Super Bowl, I think having a guy like that is going to be important to have a big game because I think having somebody to get to to Stafford is going to be um, very important. I think that's kind of slept on. We we talk a lot about the the Rams, which we'll talk about in a second here. You know, Donald uh, and um, Von Miller, but we got to have somebody on the Bengals side of the ball that does the same. So. Um, any 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 player stand out is like this needs to be their X factor in this Super Bowl game before we move on to the second set of games. I mean, it should be obvious. You talked about Aaron Donald, Von Miller. I think the players that are going to matter is the you know Jackson, Carmen, uh, Trey Hopkins, Riley Reeve, Jonah Williams, mm-hmm. Quentin Spain. The offensive line for the Bengals. They need to give Burrow some time to make the throw, the reads, whatever it may be. Great point. That's obviously, you know, everyone thought that about with the 49ers. You know, they thought that they needed, you know, whatever it is, Joey Bosa, Arik Armstead. Like, you need to stop them. You need The line needs to stop the pass rush oh, yeah. if, they can, if they can. Absolutely, absolutely. What about you, Alex? Any any key factors uh, going in for the Bengals? No, nah, definitely that uh that offensive line. If, if Burrow's on the ground anywhere near those nine times against the Titans, it, it's going to be a long, a long day for Cincinnati, unfortunately. But another key player, it would have to. Be, you got to go with that Bengals secondary, led mm-hmm. by Jesse Bates, who had that a great play. Yeah, to tip that ball up in overtime. Eli Apple made that tackle on Tyree Kill, the butt of all Twitter jokes. Love, this he week. tweeted about it. Yeah, he tweeted He's about fun. it too. But He's when fun. you're going against Cooper Cup and OBJ. Mm-hmm. It's a daunting task to begin with. Give staff give Stafford some time. It's it's a wrap. So it's definitely definitely in the trenches for for Cincinnati to really make this a game and honestly probably steal one. And uh, I think Burrow, unless I misrecorded, only only sacked once in this last game. So that Good. was a a huge change in comparison to the nine where he seemed to be touched on every other play, but. Uh, moving forward to the Rams 49ers Rams going to the Super Bowl 2017 over the 49ers the uh, the last time they were there was 2018 they lost to the Patriots so uh, this Rams 49ers game separated by three points pretty good game um, what what stands out to you Corey from from this game um, for fantasy just more touching on Odell Beckham Jr. You know, obviously had a great game what was that nine receptions like 113 yards um, but if you look previously the splits between the Browns and the Rams, they were kind of fairly similar. It's just kind of giving him to a situation where he's more appreciated. You know, I think what stands out again is just more so of that narrative that was previously surrounding him being a bad teammate, a bad per, whatever it is. Like it's just always been bogus and you could just see what thriving in like a, a real supportive and, you know, positive energy environment will do for you. Obviously quarterback helps Stafford versus Baker Mayfield. is going to be a little bit different. But again, the splits were a little bit different. The only thing that mattered was touchdowns. And obviously this game now, nine for 113, super good to see. And obviously moving forward, that's great for Odell. And he's looked great. I mean, he's had a lot of good games leading up to this one. Uh, he scored a handful of touchdowns. I, th- I thought, I, I'm, I'm going off the top of my head. I, th- I thought it was like six touchdowns in mm-hmm. his first nine games or something like that with the Rams. And and, and he's looked really good. Mike. My question, I'm putting you on the spot, and I don't expect you to have a solidified answer, but do, do you think he he uh, he gets paid by the Rams next season? you think he's going to be a Ram next season? Yeah, I mean, a lot probably goes into it, whether it's how much money will he want. Does he want a one-year prove-it deal? Does he want to take the low for, I don't know if you want to call it a hometown discount anymore, but for the Rams, what's going to happen with Robert Woods, Van Jefferson? You would like to see the Chiefs go out and get him. They need a wide receiver too, so it I don't know. What's going to matter to him? Winning, the money, both, combination of both. Like, I don't know, but I, my heart is telling me, my head, I don't know. My heart is telling me he's going to be a chief because they just need a second wide receiver. And he, he might be that, that, that sort of guy that has this massive year to go to Super Bowl and says, hey, the next opportunity with a what? little bit more of a bag, nah. I'm going. But, uh, well, why change it up? Like, he obviously yeah. seems like he's a great teammate, he doesn't care about being the number one anymore. If he can take a nice team friendly, I don't know the contract situation or the cap situation for the Rams, but if yeah. he wants to be the, you know, not the number one, Cup can handle that. Him, Robert Woods, Van Jefferson can just handle it. Because I think the Rams and the Bengals actually were the top two teams in a 
11 personnel with three wide receivers on the field. Mm -hmm. So if you have Odell, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup out there, and then Van Jefferson kind of comes in to do his thing whenever he wants, that's pretty cool. So, you know, it kind of just depends what Odell wants to do. That's my answer. And it seems like his demeanor, I mean, the way the clips from him at practices and him on the sidelines, it, it seems like he he really loves playing football again. Like it sounds corny yeah. to say that, but it just like comes yep. off that way. But yep. um, Alex, Alex, any thoughts on OBJ? And then uh, let me know something that stands out from this game. Yeah, as soon as Corey mentioned OBJ hitting the open market, my head immediately like him went to the Chiefs. He would be know. a perfect fit as he would be considered the number three option in hmm. Kansas City with Kelsey and Hill, but number two on that receiving depth chart. He's going to see his own. We won't need to see guys like Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson, McCole Hardman. The, the list goes on and on of just guys who shouldn't be seeing combined 100 targets from Patrick Mahomes. Give that to Odell. That offense would have probably put up 40 to 50 against Cincinnati this past week. And to me, what stood out in this game, similarly to what stood out to Corey in the first game, you really need a quarterback to win. You can see the difference between Matt Stafford and Jimmy Garoppolo. Even though Stafford didn't have the best game, all he had to do was just be a little less bad than Jimmy G. And when Jimmy went full-blown Carson Wentz to end that game, that was like the writing on the wall. Trey Lance was like, okay, I'm, I'm starting next year. And it was just basically, it, it's going to be that. Yep. And then Twitter erupted, of course, and said, uh, you know, things like if Trey Lance was in the, the second half, things would be different. I mean, I have all these crazy conclusions that come from it. But Stafford, 31 for 45, 337 passing yards, two touchdowns, did have an interception as well. Um, this, this run game to me is kind of interesting for mm -hmm. the Rams because I, I feel like, you know, Cam Akers has been – the guy in, in, in terms of getting the most touches the last two games. But this one, 13 carries, Sony Michelle, 10 carries. Neither guy really carried the ball great. And Cam Akers really hasn't carried the ball great this this set of playoffs. I mean, he's had some some bigger bursts of runs and things like that. But when we look at the you know yards per carries and, and things like that, I'm wondering how this is going to look in the Super Bowl, if it's going to be – him getting most of the work like it was two games ago, or if it's going to be the split like this was 13 to 10, you know, in, in terms of carries, I didn't look into the, uh, the receptions, but um, you guys have any thoughts about how you think they're going to approach this in the Super Bowl? Because it, it did seem like two games ago, it was one approach, more of a one guy taking the whole load. And then in this game, it was a mixture of the two. I'd watch out for, uh, for Cam Akers shoulder. He missed the majority of the second quarter and the beginning of the third with that injury. He did come back in about midway through the third. So if there's any doubts of that shoulder, especially coming off of the Achilles, they're going to take it very slow with him in the Super Bowl. And even if he's questionable, I think it'll be like a 60-40 Michelle as the lead back instead. Yeah, sure. I mean, like you said, 13 to 10, that's 23 carries. We obviously mm -hmm. see what that offense is going to be like if we're getting past heavy and we got the Bengals with their three options, of course, Uzuma. I don't know. Looking at Cam Akers, like he's saying, you want to take it careful, but it's like you're in the Super Bowl. Like, uh, just yeah, help yeah. him up with some, you know, medicine that helps the pain go away. Uh, you know, he has shown burst regardless of how his um, box score stats have come out. Yards per carry. Is it directly a running back stat? Is an offensive line, you know, stat too. So there's a lot that goes into play. I don't know. He's six months removed here from the Achilles injury coming back. Obviously some rust. Does he have vision problems? You know, that could be a him factor. But again, it kind of just goes down to how this Super Bowl is going to be played out. Is it going to be a shootout? Is it going to be clock controlling game plan type stuff? You know, especially if Michelle has looked fine for the Rams. Pretty good, actually. So you know, he should warrant some touches. And if it is the 60-40 split with Michelle taking ahead, that's super cool if that's what makes the Rams game better. I think for them, it, it, it does give them some confidence if if Cam is a little bit banged up just because, like you said, Sony Michelle had a lot of good games. He actually had some great games for them, which is nice to see too because they don't have to, uh, you know, throw in a random guy in there. Uh, they don't have to throw in like a Jake Funk and, and give him the, the load or something like that. But um, – Last question, and then we'll move on to some dynasty topics here. But uh, who wins? Who wins and why? Rams, Bengals. Uh, for, for me, 
for me, I, I have my wife and I have Bengals jerseys. So I was like joking around saying we're, we're Bengals fans. And I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like, you know, I, I'm rooting for them because I like the the underdog story and, and I really like the young core that they have. But I feel like the Rams might be a better team in general. So it, that that's kind of where I'm at. You know, I, I I would like this to happen, but I think this will happen. But I'm curious to hear what you guys think about uh, who's going to take this on uh, two Sundays from now or, yeah, two weeks. Mm-hmm. And we'll go. We'll go to uh, whoever wants. Corey, you can jump in. What, what do go. you think? You got Rams or Bengals, man? It's always awkward and a lot of anxiety going on to who to jump in. Um. Anyways, uh, again, like you said, I want one team to win. I think another team's going to win. I want the Bengals? Think the Rams are going to win? But I don't know. The Bengals, they have this fire. The fan base is loving it. Obviously, the Ram base is probably loving it too. But, I mean, dude, it's been three years. The Bengals, it's been, what, 30 years since they've been in the playoffs. And here they are in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it just comes down to how this coaching is going to matter. Zach Taylor's been awesome. Sean McVay's pretty cool too, it seems. So, I don't know. I'm just really excited looking forward to just a good football game, hopefully. Don't care about the halftime. But uh, I'm going Rams. Going Rams, going Rams. And uh, speaking of the Bengals, last – Super Bowl appearances were in the 80s, so it's it, it has been a while. But uh, I, I like the fact, too, that we're looking at something different. I didn't want to see the, mm. the Chiefs and the Bucks. That would have been terrible. Yeah. Uh, no offense to those fan bases. But, uh, Alex, who, who do you got in this one? I'm going Burrow. You, you, I can't bet against Joe Burrow. I can't make that mistake again. He is what is the line? On a, uh, last I saw, Rams were four-and-a-half favorite. Okay. And it's four one and of those. Boy, Burrow. Hey. Down 18 against mm-hmm. Kansas City. Cool as a cucumber. Let I'm that bad, come dude. back. Love Sacked it. Sacked nine times against the Titans. Ended up winning that game. Was in a dogfight with the Raiders from the opening kick. Ended up winning that game. Even going back, obviously, to his time at LSU. Kids just – he. there's no moment too big for him. I think it's going to really? play up, play that same way again. I think it's just going to be another Love game. It. Bold prediction, Burrow throws for 350 and three. Higgins and Chase both have 100 and a score. Bengals win it in a shootout. Love it. Love it. Love hey, it. Hey, and I'm on board. Partially, partially, I, I kind of want to see, uh, you know, I used to like Ramsey back in uh, on the Jags. Like, I got a Ramsey jersey in the garage, even though I have, like, everybody's freaking jersey in the garage. But, uh um, seeing him like chirp at Robbie Gold, I hope that he gets like torched in this one. I, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm going to be mean about it. But uh, another interesting story. Speaking of uh, coming uh, back from the uh, the, the Chiefs uh, deficit, I was at a bar with some family, uh, and we're wear- wearing Bengals jerseys because that's all we we have. So mm. my wife and I were like cheering all out and stuff. And uh, for some reason, uh, Corey, I don't know if if this is uh, something you can relate to, but the place I'm at, like we're all Chiefs fans. I don't know if it's like a Midwest thing. I, I don't know, but, but, uh, we, we were getting a lot of shit from, from some of the other people cheering and stuff. And some guy, some guy looked at our table and said he would bet a thousand dollars once it went to overtime that, uh, that the chiefs would beat the Bengals and, and they didn't. So, uh, uh, that was uh, interesting in itself, but, uh, any over overtime th- thoughts anymore when it comes to, uh, how things played out or, or, or did the, did that all just like go out the door when, uh, when the Bengals actually won this one? Uh, I mean, you know, there comes to the situation like rules were established at one point of time where things were very different going on. Fast forward, uh, how long has it been since there? Uh, hundreds? Uh, I don't know, whatever, how many years it's been. Medieval it's like maybe, times, I think. Maybe the rule should change, but then it's also like if you don't want to have the rule change, don't allow them to go into the overtime, you know, have your defense step up. I don't really care. Uh, I don't know if it comes as a surprise to anyone, but I don't watch football, so I don't like – you know, it doesn't bother me, um, but are we like really surprised like an outdated rule is like kind of sketch at this point? Like, you know, first possession, you get a touchdown, you win. It's like, you know, whatever. Yeah, I think uh, I think at this point, no matter what the rules are, somebody's going to be mad because their specific yeah. team didn't win. So it just kind of yeah. is what it is at this point. Yeah. But yeah. um, go, m- moving forward. So we'll uh, we'll uh, get out of the Super Bowl talk because I'm sure everybody. And their brother's going to be talking about it for the next two weeks here. But let's talk some dynasty topics. So uh, first, yeah. on, first on the list here, you know, I, I I like I like talking about like sleepers and guys that target and guys that sell and all that good stuff. But I feel like people who produce content 
forget like some of the basic advice that maybe us three feel is basic is not super basic and mm-hmm. um, casual league. So it's nice to talk about uh, strategy and, and, and small points that again, might seem uh, again, basic to people who are diving into it too much like us three, but maybe not so uh, for the average fantasy player. So first question here is, uh, can you give some sort of advice to people who are playing in dynasty leagues during the off season? It could be anything. So I, I know that, you know, this time of year between, you know, the season just ended, but we still kind of got football and then we'll soon have no football. Some dynasty leagues are kind of, kind of dead at this point, or they don't know, should I be making moves? You know, should I still be negotiating? Should I take a break? I'm trying to trade. I'm not trying to trade. There, there's a big mix of, of really not knowing what to do. I, I feel like just because in some of my leagues, it feels like it's kind of like a dead zone. So, um, any, any advice, uh, when it comes to this point in the off season, we'll start with you, Alex. Honestly, if, if you're in a league and it's inactive for the majority of the off season, that's okay. Not everyone's deranged. Like the three of us who do this 24, seven, 365. But if your league isn't active in the off season, Wait until about like two weeks before your guys' rookie draft is scheduled to really dive back into it. At that point, I wouldn't be trying to go for picks in that upcoming rookie draft because everyone's going to have the rookie fever. Everyone's going to be like, oh, this is my guy. I really want him. He got drafted to my favorite team. How can I pass up on him? Instead, shoot for picks a year or two down the line. That way, picks are always going to get value. You're going to have more money in your pocket when teams start to scramble in a year from now. Let's say come even the trade deadline the upcoming season, you're sitting there with a few first-round picks burning a hole in your pocket. And you got a team that's two and five, and they're like, oh, I have no picks the next year. You can take a couple of their nice players, build that roster, and really go go to be a contender without having to do the year-round work. Yeah, and I, I feel like that's – uh for me in some of my leagues, I don't think that's super common for people to look like down the road like that. I think everything's kind of focused on now in the next class. So I think uh, that's an interesting point in itself. Um, Corey, any, any, any advice about uh, inactive leagues right now um, in dynasty, anything. Right here we are. What is it? January 31st, like the season we got draft coming up March, you know, things kick off the NFL draft free agency happens. If you're in an active league or if you are, if you want to be in an active league and you're not in an active league, you should just leave the inactive league, you know, not sure what can really be done to make inactive players more active since that's on them. So like we had a buddy, it's a home dynasty league. He left because he understood he was not as active as he should be. And we appreciate that. That's cool. But that same dynasty league for this last, since the season ended up until now, like very minimal things have happened. You know, communication sure happens, but things don't really start picking up for a few months, kind of like how Alex alluded to. But, you know, if you have a guy in your league, he sets his lineup, he makes his waiver wires, but he's not really like trading. You know, there's not really much you can do. And that's, you know, kind of like me, you know, Nick, we we're in that league, you know, shout out to Kluge. But I said in the chat, like, I don't trade much. So I don't know what do you consider inactive, like not trading or not making moves, not setting your lineups. That's pretty bad. That's probably kickable, right? Yeah. 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 I think, uh, I think, um, you know, in dynasty leagues, you, you can look at it in many different ways. It can be guys actively playing the waiver wire, it can be guys, you know, mm-hmm. showing interest in other players or, or looking mm-hmm. to trade. But I think you bring up a good point because I feel like, some people don't trade a ton, but they trade when they feel like they need to. And that sounds like it might be your case. And and I'm probably the opposite where I'm just always looking to move things around. Um, and, and you don't have to be necessarily one way or the other. I mean, I'm sure you might be open to some ideas, but you're not, you know, you're probably not looking to, you know, off all everything all the time, you know? Um, and speaking on that, like, I know the rookie draft's coming up, but like, I don't want to trade a rookie draft or move up, you know, for a rookie if I don't know that rookie is there. Yeah. So right now, like, I don't want to trade up, give up all these assets, and then have my pick be taken or someone come up and take them. So it's just this null time. Like, it's January, about to be February. Like, it's just kind of everyone needs a little break. 
Um, like you said, though, if you are kind of engaged in like, yo, I'm, I'm kind of interested in this, like I'm always kind of active looking for pieces, like especially when I made it to the playoffs, I traded a second for Cordero Patterson. You yeah. know, it didn't really work out, whatever. It doesn't matter. But like you know, time and places for trades and I don't know, it just seems right now is not a good time and place to be active. Yeah, and it's kind of very league to league because I I'm in one where there's actually been a handful of trades, and I'm in like two that there has been none. And, and one one thing I, I tried doing recently and uh, kind of worked, kind of didn't. I actually got offers in in a in a league that um, I never do. But uh, what I see all the time is people put you know on sleeper, for instance, they click the trade block button and it goes in the the chat. So what what I did in one league was. And when I'm like word document and I listed my trade block, not like a hundred players, maybe like five or six guys. And I put like what I was looking for. So let's say I say, you know, I put, I don't know. I put Nick script on the block and I said, I'm looking for a wide receiver plus a third, or I'm looking for uh, a running back back plus a second. I, I don't know, something like that. So I made a list of that. And I feel like that kind of helped because I feel like some Guys in my specific leagues, they want to make moves sometimes, but they're not, you know, sure what to do or, or what's a good offer. And, you know, when somebody gets put on the trade block, they might have some interest, but they're like, I have no idea what the value would even be for this guy. Because, again, they don't look at this stuff as much as maybe guys that, you know, produce content do. But uh, that's that's been one strategy I, I tried out, and I actually got some offers and got close on some deals and things like that. But uh I, I agree. It is it is that weird time right now where it's like we just went through this long ass season of COVID and injuries and you know setting lineups and having to change those lineups and and play the waiver probably more than ever because of such a, a complicated year. Um, I, I got kind of a part two of this and then then we'll move on. But uh, is there any strategy that maybe you've tried in the past or you know um, thought was useful when it comes to uh, the rookie draft picks, it could be, um, you know, making moves for them, trading them away, hanging on to them, waiting till, you know, the draft to do anything. I know Corey, it kind of seems like that that's been, uh, um, something you've looked at, but, um, Corey, we'll start with you. Anything when it comes to rookie draft picks, because again, I feel like guys that dive into fantasy, you know, they're excited for it, but they also, they don't know how to value certain things and what to do with picks and how to get picks and things like that. Yeah, um, rookie picks really heavily involved, especially in Dynasty, obviously. Um, for rookie picks, like a lot of people like to look at rookie picks and assign values to them as if the 1.01 means this versus the 1.07 means that. But yeah. the thing is, every draft class is different. Uh, 2022 draft class may not be as strong. It doesn't have its Jamar Chase. It's Kyle Pitts as... You know this current class, but it doesn't mean that there's bad players. But that 1.01 in this one, it doesn't seem like there is a consensus number one pick. So what does the value mean? Is it the same assigned value to the pick, or does it draw it down? That's a different debate. When it comes to rookies, I'm just kind of doing the research as much as I can on my own, whether that's from you know previous articles that I've attained my knowledge from. When it comes to scouting positions, I'm more uh confident in tight ends than i am any other position so i like to kind of hit home on that my default go to my go-to devi analysts and people just have a way more understanding of college football than me is probably a good thing to do i don't want to just kind of go out a whim like look at oh this is my top 10 drafts and pick out of that there's so much that goes into football and go-to devi analysts are cool also, if you want to kind of get a little analytical side, you know, check out our amazing Debbie and Rookie Tools over at DLF. That's another recommendation. You know, so many other of these people are doing their research. They're compiling their list, whether that's from film, analytics. You could get the best of both worlds. So to me, I put my trust into the guys that I trust and then a little bit with my own process and weigh out the value opinions on the draft class from that. Yeah, I'm 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 very similar because I feel like I, I try to do my own research because I'm stubborn and stuff. But uh, I also utilize the people I trust in the community, and I'm not gonna. I mean, there's so many guys you can name, but you know, I'm very close to to Kevin, who I did a full um, season of uh, of of content with, and I know he does a ton of Devi, and Jeff does a show uh-huh. with Kevin and Christian. And I mean, like mm-hmm. those guys dive deep into it. So like hearing people out that I trust, and then 
developing my own sort of analysis and I, you know, on it is something I, I try to do as well, but it's probably closer to, uh, you know, the actual draft, but, uh, mm-hmm. Alex, any, um, any further thoughts on rookie draft picks in dynasty leagues anything? It's just pretty much an open topic at this point. Yeah. You guys hit the nail on the head there. Don't be afraid to admit you don't know everything. There's always going to be someone who knows more in a certain area. Reach out to the Devi people, sign up for a Patreon, just ingest all the content that you can to give you the most information going into the draft. Yep. Another thing in regards to the rookie picks, if I have a stockpile of picks, I'm not moving a single pick until the first pick I have is on the clock. Then you see what the board's playing out so far. You can see what other people are trying to do in the draft so you can plan out the next few picks. See a few wide receivers go, person behind you has two running backs on their roster. More likely than not, they're going to reach for a running back. So it's almost as much as playing your opponent as it is playing the board. Nice. Good point. Very good points. And uh, I'll close things off with saying that the the picks are going to have a very high value post draft and close to your rookie drafts mm-hmm. in comparison. And now they probably do have a, a decent value, but that's something I've been trying to do uh, kind of under the table is try to grab some seconds and things like that. And then once, once we're close to the actual draft in our rookie leagues, when their value is at its peak and everybody wants to draft everybody, that's when I try to maybe trade away some of those picks. But I, I think timing is key in dynasty, but uh, let, let's, we got a little less than 20 minutes. So I want to make sure we, we touch on some, uh, actual player topics here and I'm going to make sure you guys do most of the talking for these. So uh, first topic that comes to mind, you know, we, we talk all off season about trade targets, right? People we want to trade for. And, and this guy is a guy you should go after, but I feel like we don't talk enough about guys that we might be trying to, you know, I, I don't want to say get rid of, but maybe it's somebody that, you know, if you have them, maybe you're trying to get some value in, and kind of part ways with this guy in dynasty. So that's the uh, the topic here. If you had this guy, maybe you're looking to part ways and get the most for uh, his value right now. And who, who's a guy that comes to mind as somebody you would say fits that category? We'll start with you, Alex. Uh, for me, it, it's got to be Nick Chubb. It, it has to, especially with running backs. I'm under the philosophy of I'd rather be a year early than a year late. I practice what I preach. Last year, I traded both Dalvin and Kamara in the same league. Probably cost my chances of making a playoff run, mm-hmm. but I went from having no picks to having nine first-round picks over the next three seasons. Jeez. Completely Stop. revamped my Four and entire and a half per roster. <laughs> so going back to Nick Chubb, he is going into his age 26 season. This past year, he had 228 carries for 1,259 yards and eight, and eight touchdowns. Like I said, better a year, year early than year late. But what about the situation for Nick Chubb? Kareem Hunt only played in eight games this past year. In those eight games, Hunt still saw more targets than, than Chubb did in his 14. He out-targeted him 27 to 25. Yes, it's not a significant margin, but still what Hunt did in eight games was still more than what Chubb did in 14. So that PPR ceiling is immediately capped. And if I were to be moving Nick Chubb, I would want a young receiver who's shown promise going into his second or third year when he's really hitting that physical prime and a first-round pick. Or if I can get multiple firsts and like a second in either 23 or 24, like down the line, just to really get the most value. Cause this time next year, God forbid he has a Todd Gurley plummet has a bad season gets, goes down like Derrick Henry did value is gone. That, that, that's a, that's a good point looking at advance because uh, I, I feel like, you know, we hit that point where the value already changed and then you're at the point where, you know, what you're going to get is, is obviously not what you want. And I, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of Nick Chubb, the player. I'm a fan of what his importance is to the Cleveland Browns. I think he's the best player on the team um, on the offensive side of the ball. But uh, th- that is a good point. I-, I feel like also, you know, it's a thin position and maybe maybe Chubb is a guy that you can utilize to go after a younger guy that might be, you know, in a more promising situation plus something else. Maybe you can get 
I, I don't know what the value is in, in every you know person's league, but maybe you can start with Nick Chubb and end up with like a J.K. Dobbins plus something. I, I don't know. It just kind of depends on the league you you play in. But uh, Corey, any uh, thoughts on Chubb? And then give us your guy that uh, comes to mind for this category for uh, for selling in the offseason potentially. Right. Um, Alex alluded to the good old running pack, running pack, running back age apex. He's talking about the value, right? So mm-hmm. uh, running back hits this age, loses value. But that doesn't mean he will lose production. But if you want to be like Alex, he traded Kamara and Cook, got those nine first round picks over whatever years. That's going to change your dynasty. But kind of these cells, it comes down to if you're truly competing or if you just need that one year tool. And, you know, I could, we could easily name an aging player to sell Chubb, you know, these running back positions or at like a wide receiver. Maybe that's DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I can easily name some players exceeding expectations due to environmental circumstances. So someone like Amon Ross and Brown comes to mind for that specific point. When you I mean, I guess it is great to see a rookie progress over the season. But when you are progressing at your peak without DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson, in the lineup it's kind of like uh, like you know he could be really good but this is from a value standpoint similar to alex on chubb like you know gabe davis probably comes into amon rossi brown with here they could be good players but if their values are way over what they should be you should cash in on that but this also comes with league dependency on how your market is bunch of leagues you can we can say anything we want to you and say you should go get this and that but like you know, you should know your trade history mm-hmm. of your league as well as of each individual owner. Keep notes on what they like to do. Do they overpay at the deadline for older guys? Do they go for those rookie picks when the season hits? So it's kind of tough to recommend a sell when it's league dependent, more than that's market, trade tendencies, and all of this. But what you need to do, if you can, like what Alex did, get Kamara and Cook off the team for nine first-round picks and whatever else could have come from that, that's a great example of what to do. So I recommend that. You hit on a lot of good points, and and I think uh, the Amon Ra and the Gabe Davis points, you know, guys that probably will be good at football and have have some decent uh, fantasy value, but maybe you can have a return that's exceeding what – uh, their actual value is going to turn out to be. I think that that's a good point. Uh, knowing your league, that's a great point in itself because I feel like often we we go to the trade calculator or the Twitter polls and say, I should be able to get this, but knowing your league is important because I know I play in a home league where I know I should get X for player, but I'm never going to get that for that guy just based off of how my league operates. And um, even Gabe Davis is the example. I, I Traded him after that big game for a high second in a one quarterback, ten team dynasty league, and I I knew I was never going to get a first for him. I didn't really see myself utilizing him in the long run, and I rather add up some some draft picks personally. So it just it it, it does vary team to team, and I think you you had a lot of good points uh, with that. Um, Thank you, man. That's very nice. As we're uh, as we're going uh, getting closer to the hour mark, let's uh, let's go to the next topic here. And again, I, I want you guys to do most of the talking. I had you brought up Hopkins. That was actually going to be my guy, and I'm not going to dive into it. But I, I I look at Hopkins and I say, hey, can I can I start with Hopkins and somehow land on a, a DJ Moore or, or Elijah Moore or some something along that route? That was going to be my my uh, my go to uh, example there. But uh, next topic is going to be. Superflex leagues. So again, uh, superflex leagues being leagues where you can start two quarterbacks. The value of quarterbacks are a lot higher. To actually have multiple quarterbacks on your team in dynasty leagues is pretty tough. So uh, I think that brings up a, a topic of a, a sleeper quarterback to target because again, you know, trading for quarterbacks in sleeper leagues is, is tough. So finding somebody who you might not have to spend the world on, but actually might give your team some value is important. So Corey, who uh, who fits that category for you? Yeah, man. Um, so it's like sleeper or undervalued. So coming off the Gabe Davis, Amon Rao value hype, a little bit overvalued, undervalued, you know, Zach Wilson, he kind of comes to mind here for me. Wilson, he came in the league, number two overall pick, some dynasty hype behind him. A slow start left many kind of weary of him as a quarterback. Like he didn't really start off strong. I think he threw for um, seven interceptions in the first three games. Um, however, uh, Wilson on the season, strong finish over those last five games. He had zero turnovers. He did lose one fumble, but it, it was recovered by the jets. 
So it's kind of cool to have that quarterback not turning over the ball. However, other factors come in, like his 51% completion percentage over that stretch too. That's not good. But playing defenses like New Orleans, Tampa Bay, and Buffalo, like, you know, maybe that kind of matters a little bit, especially when Elijah Moore and Corey Davis missed that same stretch. Wilson was left without his best receivers. But, like, not only that, so fast forward to kind of 2022, the Jets, they're going to get back their 2020 first-round pick, Mackie Becton. He plays tackle. He had a 74.4 PFF grade as a rookie. 2021 first-round guard, Elijah Barrett Tucker, one year into his development, he had a modest 66.8 PFF grade. But not only that, the whole Jets offensive line unit finished 12th overall in PFF grading. And I'm just a big fan of great offensive line play. Not only that, the Jets, they will have the 4th and 10th overall picks in the 2022 draft. They could maybe bring in a, another receiver playmaker, a Garrett Wilson, or maybe they solidify the offensive line. Maybe um, that's a Neal. Lorenzo Neal falls to him at the fourth. Maybe they take Tyler Limbaugh, Lindenbaum at the tenth. You know, realistically, I have no idea what they might want to do. Maybe they just get some defensive pieces. But, you know, it may be a crime to not get an offensive weapon for Wilson. And maybe that's Jalen Weidermeyer in the second round, the tight end. So, so the opportunity is definitely there for them to to improve their team. For for one, I, I know that you know uh, Crowder. I'm pretty sure Keelan Cole. I think some of those guys are going to be gone. Not that they have you know a massive contracts, but it does uh, give them some some cap room too, and and some other moving pieces. And uh, I love Elijah Moore. He's one of my my go to guys, and and seeing uh, him ball out this season uh, was was unreal. And um, looking at Zach Wilson. After he came back from injury, he had a, a pair of games above 20 fantasy points. Uh, he went three games in a row to end the regular season with a touchdown, which you say, like, oh, well, that's normal. But we look at, you know, Trevor Lawrence, for instance, who barely was throwing touchdowns. So we oh, see yeah. some we see some good signs for Zach Wilson. I don't think his his uh, his price tag is, is is too high. And I think on a team that has the opportunity to make some steps forward, that's a, that's a good call there. Um, Alex, any, any quick thoughts on Zach Wilson as well? And then uh, let us know a, a – quarterback that comes to mind is uh, is a sleeper or is undervalued or maybe is a low-cost quarterback yeah so I like the uh the Zach Wilson he was actually one of the two names I was thinking of figured okay Wilson's young I like him more than any of the quarterbacks in this class so if you have a mid to late first round pick instead of pressing the button on a quarterback trade that pick for Zach Wilson but for me, one of my – I took Sleeper as undervalued, underappreciated guy. You can probably get for a late first or a pair of seconds. Kirk Cousins. My man has been – you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect it. He's been a top 15 quarterback six of the last seven years. The one year he wasn't, he finished 19th. This year, another QB one season, he had 42-21. 33 touchdowns and only seven picks in the QB slot at your super flex. You want a guy with a safe floor that can allow you to swing for the ceilings for your wide receiver two and three, as well as your flexes. Cousins has done that for the last seven years. He's a guy, if I'm going in with him as my QB two, I am more than okay with it. And if we look, look at, uh, look yeah. at his efficiency through the season, I think he had one, Two, three, four, like I think four or five games above like 72 for his completion percentage, which says a lot. He had a ton of multi touchdown games. I think he's just like always been that non sexy quarterback option mm -hmm. that's actually like a good, reliable piece. And, and again, I don't think he's ever been the guy that your league is asking for the world for. Um, so I, I like that as well. Corey, any, any quick thoughts on, on Kirk Cousins? Yeah, man, I really love that. Like he's been just the epitome of consistency, you know, six years. I think he's had a quarterback one quarterback 19 the other year. Mm -hmm. Oh no, that's so bad. Especially if he's your quarterback two. you know, like, I mean, I guess he's a quarterback one last six years. So you really like that, but he does seem underappreciated, undervalued. The only problem is obviously, does he stay with Minnesota? Does he not like, does it matter? He seemed to be a pretty decent quarterback. What is he? 32 years old, 31, 32, 33 ish. Doesn't matter. You know, he's got four or five years left. 30. I think 33. He came in uh, the RG3, Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson class. Okay. Interesting. 33 years old. You know, that's, 
That seems old, you know. To us, I'm 29. I'm getting some knee cracks. You know, I got a little back aches. But like, he's 33. What? Uh, Tom Brady's 44, or whatever. You know, he's got time. I'm not saying he's got 11 years, but he's got a couple of years. Let's yeah, say yeah. Cousins ends up in Pittsburgh. Nice. Both. For both of you guys, how, 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 where, where do you gauge him next year if he ends up in Pittsburgh? Uh, uh, does he need a new contract? I think he has one year left. Okay. So obviously that's appealing. Claypool, Deontay Johnson. Do they get Juju Smith uh, Schuster back? The uh, the second year development for Pat Firemuth is really cool. Najee Harris, he had the most touches right this year. Um, it was just insane for a rookie. I think he had 72 receptions off top. I'm not sure, but there's so much offensive weapons around him. That line is bad. So that, but they're going to address that. They have to mm-hmm. outside of the quarterback positions. I like Kirk. Dude. Yeah. Let's get Kirk cousins, the Pittsburgh Steelers, huh? Yeah. He's one year, but a 45 million cap. It. So they're a hundred percent going to do some type of restructure for it. And this is a, a new, new, uh, new organization with a new, new, uh, G- what GM and uh, yeah. head coach Don't now, potentially. So things can we change. Uh, things can definitely change. Um, I, I do want to ask you guys quick before we, uh, we close things out and you can just run through it fast, but, uh, we talk about dynasty sleepers all the time. And, and I like throwing out, you know, on the show sheet, give me a sleeper because, like you guys have already mentioned, like I don't know what a sleeper means. Is it undervalued or or it doesn't cost a lot or this and that? So it 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 leaves it up to your own interpretation. So uh, dynasty sleeper that you are trying to target in the off season or maybe close to the season, depending on how you uh you you target guys. But Corey, who's somebody that comes to mind is a is a true sleeper? We talk about this topic all the time, but I I like to hear about it though because it, it makes me think maybe outside of my own box. Right? Yeah, like you're saying, like. There just seems to be this problem with the term sleeper. It just seems to be a nice way of saying, like, take an educated guess and hope a guy pans out. Yeah. So I'm going to take an educated guess on a guy that kind of pans out so far, and that's Christian Kirk. Again, we're going to specifically speak on PPR leagues. Stepped up this past season following Hopkins' kind of injury season. He was only the PPR 26, 103 targets, 77 receptions. That's pretty cool. Depending on the sites, wherever you go for your rankings, he's sitting between wide receiver 40 and 50. So there's a little bit of the edge there to be utilized, considering he is an unrestricted free agent. Averaged four and a half receptions, 57.8 yards per game. This is why he's undervalued, because you're playing him assuming you're just going to get that 10-ish points. And nine points per game, you know, four and a half receptions, 57 yards. That's not really that exciting. But as a plug and play type player, you're going to be really happy with that. Led the Cardinals targets, receptions, yards. But a lot was kind of left on the table considering the Cardinals spread the ball around. They had six players over 50 targets. Does Kirk go to the Jaguars or Colts, a.k.a. teams that don't necessarily spread the ball around? I think they both had about three or four players over 50 targets. Not sure what that means about the teams. They just did not have talent or not. Does Kirk have the talent? You know, I'm not really sure. There's also a possibility the Cardinals re-sign Kirk. Hopkins is aging. Player sell. AJ Green being on a one-year contract. So this is kind of where the sleeper aspect comes in. I do believe Kirk is a guy who's going to generate those targets. You know, targets are earned. And more specifically, if he's kind of utilized in the slot, So Kirk had the 13th most slot snaps at wide receiver, despite having only 49% of his snaps from the slot. So not only can line up in the slot, but he can be out wide. So I'm going to, I don't know, is he kind of like an off-brand Hunter Renfro, you know, depending his landing spot in free agency, if he's just utilized as the slot. And. And, and I think for, for Kirk, and he had a lot of good flex-worthy weeks this year, and you bring up a lot of good points about how, you know, where he can line up and what he can bring to a team and, um, you know, the the questions on, you know, is it talent or was it him getting, um, you know, some some nice opportunities through games and, and things like that. But I, I, feel like, I feel like that's a good pick because I think the closer we get to free agency moves, if he does make this big splash – move to a team that, you know, uh, is, is really interesting and, and, and makes you feel like he's going to be a guy that can see a hundred targets or something. His price now versus then is going to be two different things. So I, I feel like Kirk can definitely be one of those guys that 
now or, or pretty soon would be the time to maybe go out and grab him or, or add him as a piece and a bigger deal. Because I think if he does go to a team that, you know, gets gets a lot of height because of that move, his price is going to drastically change at that time. Kansas right. City. So, Kansas City, the Bears are throwing around, Lions are throwing around. The it just Bills, I mean, you can, you can throw Green a bunch Bay, of there, there's, there's a plethora. What did Dan Rodgers do? Um, yeah, he's currently valued 8.3 on Dynasty Trade Calculator. That's about the 2.01 to 2.04 in terms of second-round picks. Something I need to note, I really want him to go to the Jaguars if – Byron Leftwich becomes coach during Christian Kirk's rookie season at Arizona. Byron Leftwich mm-hmm. was the offensive coordinator. Familiarity there with the coach. Get Trevor Lawrence some weapons. Who knows what can happen? And if that is solidified, he he might be in the uh, the ears of uh, the people over in uh, Jacksonville saying we need to go and get this guy. And uh, that'd be that'd be a nice uh, clipped uh, video right in itself. If uh, you did call that out right there for free agency. Uh, Byron, like but, he's not uh, hired though, right? What, what's that? He's not hired yet, right? Byron Leftwich? You know uh, what? It, it seemed like he was, and then it's it, it's been this weird delayed process. So I know yeah. he has not, which is yeah. weird. But uh Alex, Alex, same question before we, we close things out here. Who's a who's a guy that comes to mind? Uh, a sleeper dynasty, maybe doesn't cost a lot or not getting talked mm-hmm. about. Yeah, so for me, it's someone who can basically you can just get thrown into a deal. He's going into his third year. You will have a new coaching staff in Vegas with Josh McDaniels, and that's Brian Edwards. He's only 23 years old, which is good. I know he's borderline turning into a face planner, bust type of player, but he did double every single statistical category from year one to year two, the targets, receptions, yards, touchdowns. And it seemed like he was just getting more acclimated to the NFL. Sometimes you see it with these super young declares for the draft where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, man, I am i can't even get a beer yet. How am I supposed to match up one-on-one with Jalen Ramsey? And it's like and some get overmatched, overwhelmed, and it takes that two-, three-year period to adjust to the league. He could have a good year. He could he could be a bust, but it's someone free low, extremely extremely low risk. Which that's the type of sleeper in the off season that I'm willing to take that shot on. And, and I like how you approached that first. It, it'd be a guy you throw in for another deal. I I don't think you necessarily have to say I'm going straight up for Brian Edwards with mm-hmm. this specific player pick. I yeah, think it's like no. he's that guy. Like oh, we're close on the deal. Like can you throw in? Brian Edwards and they'd be like oh okay sure you know that sort of thing but uh it'll be interesting to see how this team meshes next season again moving coaching staff over there had Renfro had a a massive year Waller missed a bunch of games Zay Jones had a bunch of good games Mm -hmm. at the end of the season too so it'll definitely be interesting but it was weird to see him like be quiet and then like score a touchdown out of nowhere but uh I know a lot of people liked Brian Edwards coming into uh his rookie season uh, looking like uh, an off-brand T.O., I think uh, Gruden was saying something like that. But uh, Randy uh, Owens, he was calling him. Awesome there, there you go. There you go. Dude was insane. Well, hey, we'll, we'll close things up there. We, we just went over the hour mark. So I uh, do appreciate your guys' time. I, I feel like we could have talked about these topics for uh, a, a much longer podcast, but uh, I don't want to get myself in trouble or anybody else. But uh, I, I do uh, want to make sure you guys can plug uh, where to find you guys again on social media. And then anything else uh, you want to uh, close the show out with, maybe if you have anything coming up for you specifically for content or, or anything. So, uh, Corey, we'll start with you, man. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, P2W. That's Play to Win Fantasy for having this. Shout out to Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah there you go. you guys. You go. Thank you for watching. When you will watch, doesn't matter. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Corey Spela, that's Corey with an E-Y. I'm over at DLF, Dynasty League Football. Shout out to us. They just partnered with BetSports Media Technology. So pairing up there with 44 and Matthew Barry's Fantasy Life. I am working on a bunch of, again, nerd stuff. I'm looking at workhorse, Elkow running back data. I am looking at um, the too many mouths to feed. That's a statement that people throw out. And then I'm also looking at wide receiver production specifically talking about kind of referencing cooper cup he's about to be 29 and when to expect really top tier wide receivers to produce into their 30s speaking of you know jerry rice terrell owens those types of players so a bunch of random 
dynasty data that doesn't apply to the right now because we don't like if you could guarantee these players are good this will help you but if not who knows i don't know shout out to nick thank you for having me on that's all i got absolutely it's a, some, some 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 deeper topics though too I, I feel like we see a lot of the same things all the yeah. time so so diving in a little right. bit more to uh some of those is going to be interesting to uh to, to hear about or, or read about but uh alex same question man where can we find you on social media and then anything you want to plug before we close things out yeah nick thanks again for uh for having me on it was it was a blast i'm glad we finally got to do it Corey. it was it was awesome chatting with you for the first time can't wait to read all as you would say your data nerd stuff data but i'm looking but i'm looking forward to it you can find me on twitter at alex mateo 94 doing some media content with a uh, triple play and moving forward written stuff with a uh, dynasty nerd so just be on the look for that all right good stuff all around uh, if you listen to this live or in your car really appreciate that make sure to give these guys a follow they have some great content through the the off season here uh for myself i'll probably do something solo on wednesday night uh figure that out pretty soon uh not gonna drop that yet but uh some other random stuff throughout the week so again thank you guys for listening and uh enjoy football while we have it we got a super bowl coming up and i think like pro bowl stuff that uh, mm -hmm. some people get into um coming up so uh, have a good night guys